James West was his name. It didn't sound like a real name to me in some ways. It sounded like something you'd get from a name generator website for pioneering masculine adventurers. The name's West, James West. And then he would recede into blackness behind a cloud of hand-rolled cigar smoke into the darkness from which he came. I don't know his backstory, but I know he's part of mine. My mother was always explicitly my greatest teacher. She played the part of mother, father, and sensei, offering paradoxical wisdom like, if you don't know how to spell a word, look it up in the dictionary. <laughs> Statements that sounded folksy, yet profound, yet matter of fact, but sometimes break down under the scrutiny of logic. Thanks, Mom. Community was important to my mother. She worried that I didn't invite friends over enough. She dreamed that she, my sister, and I would all live together, if not in the same structure, at least on the same property. She had me research hippie intentional communes when I was but 11 years old. Yet an assessment of her own social network revealed someone who was essentially alone and seemingly by choice, except for a few people like James West. He was a tall, lean, bearded black man who was the real-life version of the Heyman brothers from In Living Color, which is to say, he had a lot of jobs simultaneously. Bassist, bicycle courier, photographer, cellist, caretaker of fish, and certainly more that I never saw, but I did see a lot. He lived one short block away, almost literally around the corner. We visited him often and unannounced at his apartment whose window faced 16th Street in Washington, D.C.'s Mount Pleasant neighborhood. This was a time before Ring Central Wi-Fi video cameras and cell phone text messaging and working lobby buzzers in the case of his building. So my family and I did what proud black folk have done across the diaspora for generations. We made a joyful noise. We lifted our voices and sang, Hey, James! James We yelled this in unison with no formal agreement that we would do so, but with shared knowledge that this was the most reasonable way in the world to reach one man in one apartment five floors up. Inside, his layered life revealed itself. Instruments everywhere, fish tanks everywhere, photographs everywhere. Even in stillness, his apartment, like his life, was in constant motion, which is how I usually experienced him. James gliding on his bike, body tense with well-practiced strength. James snapping photos and rotating the lens, freezing time in the space of a 3x5 or a 4x6 or an 8x10 frame. James thumbing the strings on his upright bass, walking up and down the neck of the instrument, the way his legs walked up and down his apartment stairs. James West covered and captured great distances because he took every step in life, two at a time, because he had no time to waste what black American does. I don't know his backstory, but I know he's part of mine. He tutored me on my own upright bass, the one that was absurdly taller and heavier and wider than little me. He introduced me to the cello, which he reasoned was like a little bass, so I should be able to adapt and understand quickly. He showed me how to develop film in the dark room which existed in his apartment in some fold in space-time that resourceful people always manage to create for the things that bring them joy and meaning and escape. He told me to be the best at what I was, even if what I was going to be was a wino. 
Be the best, wino, he said. And no one objected to the sharing of high achievement thinking to a child. And where have the winos gone today? Do they even exist or have they faded away into a hold in space-time along with the ragman and the iceman and the gunslingers from yesterday? It would be years after I left D.C. that I would look at photos and see a resemblance between James West and my father. The father who was killed in 1985 when I was seven years old, but who didn't live with us before that for reasons requiring a different story about a different type of teacher and darker lessons that aren't mine to share just now. It would be years after I left D.C. that I would look at myself and except for the fish, see that I had modeled my movements on those of James West. I had played multiple instruments through middle school. I photographed and bicycled my way through college. And I always had multiple jobs simultaneously. My mother and sister actually did call me the Jamaican of the family. My mother never sat me down and explained that she was trying to give me a human roadmap for manhood in the form of a man like James West. She didn't draw the life-balancing equations on a whiteboard which showed the absent father on one side and the present neighbor on the other. She didn't have to. His proximity was demonstration and explanation enough. I had absorbed parts of this man's way of being. I internalized his hustle his motion, his ambidextrous and polyphonic way of existing in a world which denies black people even one life, one passion, one job. And here was a man who had several at the same damn time. In a world in which blackness is derided, destroyed, defiled, and denied, James West was a rebel for daring to live as a multitude. He lived in excellence and joy and self-expression. He breathed in deeply and richly. He exhaled long, graceful, undulating breaths, which I breathed in without even questioning or recognizing as an act of bravery. That's what he taught me. James West modeled bravery for me by fooling me into thinking it was normal to live fully so that I could live fearlessly. That was the gift he gave me. To be raised to know and feel entitled to live free. To believe I deserve that which is systematically denied to people who look just like me. James West is his name. I don't know his backstory. But I know he's part of mine. Thank you.